0: Would you guys stand to your feet? Uh, We are starting a new study, Raised with Christ, in the book of Colossians together. So um, we're going to read this, and then our standing is really just a symbol of our participation with him, with our good Lord and his truth he has for us today. Verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you, In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epiphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, happy after Easter weekend. It's good to see you all. Uh, This shirt is letting you know that spring is now officially here, (laughs) and we can think of summer as coming. Think of a world where it's always summer and it's never COVID. <laughs> think of that world yeah it's a that's a taste of heaven um this morning we are launching into our series on colossians and if you have not done a book series with us i think this will be a real delight to you it's real important for me as a teacher of the Word of God to not only uh, present a meal to you, but also invite you into the kitchen, so you see how I prepared it. Um, I actually don't like teachers that uh, just say, "Here, eat. Here, eat. It's good for you. It's the Word of God. <laughs> Come on, eat." You know that that doesn't inspire me. Uh, I'm a I'm a person that wants to have part of it and ownership in it. And so as we study the book of Colossians, I'm inviting you in uh, verse by verse to see how we're preparing the Word of God and see uh, exactly how uh, the Bible can be interpreted by every one of us. I didn't grow up knowing the Bible. Uh, was, it was real important for me to be sure that the Bible was the Word of God, to, to study the original languages, to study where did the Bible come from? Yeah, but who wrote that Bible? I have, you know, I was one of those guys. And, and to find out actually the monks were very persnickety and for fear of death, you know, that, that they ever mess up one little word or something like that. So uh, th- nobody doubts Plato, nobody doubts Aristotle. But everybody loves to doubt the Bible. But the Bible is actually the most reliable historical manuscript that we have on planet Earth. Then it becomes uh, imperative that we learn how to study it. How do do we read this thing? And um, what I love about the epistles is that we have this interpersonal exchange going between... uh, the people group, in this case, the Colossians, and the Apostle Paul, or I like to call him Pastor Paul, uh, because I think we miss oftentimes his pastor's heart. So with that in mind, let me just pray, and uh, we'll begin. Father, we thank you for this fabulous day to study your word, that we've come here together to be fed, and as you invite us into the kitchen uh, To read these verses, we pray that you would speak to our hearts the nuggets that we need. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you know not only the Word, but you also know our hearts. And you know exactly what we need to hear today. So we pray that you would take the Word of God and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've asked you this question before, and I want to ask it again because I'm not sure you heard me the first time. Um, You have decided to go backpacking alone in a jungle. You've never been in this jungle. Uh, All you've done is read about it, and and now there you are getting out of your car. You're staring at this wall of green foliage, and you're about to go into the jungle, and you see this guy coming out of the jungle. You know, he's grown a beard while he's in there, and he looks a little bit... uh, uh weathered but nevertheless he's alive and uh the question that i have for you is do you go up and ask him any questions about the jungle now i know the answer for ladies but i'm asking the guys (laughs) because i've met a few of you uh wandering for days in home depot and uh you know i'm gonna figure it out i'm gonna you know And that's me. Do you ask him any questions? Do you ask him, how long did it take you to get to the other side? Where's the river? Where's the python? Where's the tiger? Are there any beautiful places I should stay longer? Are there dangerous places you can point out that I should avoid? Are there monkeys that come and eat my food and steal all of my provisions? Is it lonely? What is it like in the jungle? Of course, we would ask this person. We would, even if they spoke a different language, we would figure a way to communicate. But now here's the kicker we don't do that with life. Yeah, maybe you've read one self help book somewhere, but mostly we go through the only life we will ever live based on. Now, let's do this. You want to? Yeah, let's do that. Want some pizza? Let's let's go get that. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. How about that? No, I don't like that anymore. Let's do this. Let's, do this. and that's the way we live our lives. Bam, your life is over. Wow. Now I'm not saying that to make you feel comfortable. I'm saying that to make you feel uncomfortable, because <laughs> I I've, I've done the same thing. I look back at my life and I think, wow. I've wasted not days, not weeks, months, maybe years of my life in the jungle that was a waste because I didn't know. So today we are going to learn about the map regarding the jungle. But first let's get into this greeting that the Apostle Paul gives to the Colossians. He says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So he's writing with his cohort, Timothy, who's kind of a spiritual son to him, and he's writing to these people, the Colossians. Now, he's never met them before. This is one of the churches he's never been to before. But What I want you to capture here, every time you see an epistle that's... Which is a letter by the Apostle Paul Which is some two-thirds of the New Testament A lot of times we miss the heart of Paul We see him as a doctrinaire We see him as a theologian We see him as a, a corrector But we often miss the fact that he was a pastor He was a pastor of pastors And he loved people and over the years, I've gone from seeing him as this academician that's just spewing out good doctrine to seeing him as a big heart. He had the heart of Jesus. And the recipients, he calls them holy people. Isn't that cool? And so you can try that out on yourself today. Um, I know your spouse is there to correct us uh, so that you're not as holy as we think, but uh Whatever your name is, try it out right now and call yourself with the title Saint, which means holy. Saint Mark. Now, what's your name? Say it out loud. Don't you feel like lightning's going to come down? It's like, <laughs> you are not! <laughs> Liar! <laughs> you haven't earned it. But what, what's happening now is in becoming a Christian you have climbed up into grandpa's attic and you're trying on some clothes that are way too big for you but you're gonna grow into them but it's who you are just as you have the last name of your grandparents you have the last name of God you are saints who you are and the letter is written to the Colossians now I want to show you on the map where Colossae is. Uh, I have not been there, but I came close once. um, I circled it for you in my fancy red pen, and you can see to the left of it are the seven churches of Revelation. So they're all pushed to the western end of Turkey, where all of this action is happening. But Colossae is only nine miles from Laodicea, And I've been to Laodicea to see the ruins of that city, but in the next slide, hopefully you're going to see, yeah, there it is. You are awesome team in the booth. Um, that is Colossae right there. It's at the very base of the mountains. And so you go into this valley way back by Ephesus, and you go down this valley through where a lot of these different cities are, and the last one before the mountains is Colossae. And Paul is writing to them around 62 A.D., so about 30 years after Christ's uh, resurrection, and he's in Rome. He's in prison, and he pens three letters, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon. And he sends them on their way with... A Tychicus and Ones, Onesimus, easy for me to say. And they carry these three letters into this valley, and uh, Colossae is the one that's receiving them. But so the uniqueness of Colossians is he's never met them. And, and so you have this opportunity, much like the letter to the Romans, where he can say, these are the important things on my heart. But it's much more compressed than the large book Uh, To the Romans and probably if I could give you just one big magnanimous theme of the book of Colossians it's Your identity is in Christ. Can you say that my? identity is in Christ So why is that a big deal because every one of us have grown up with an identity? one is you feel good or you feel bad about yourself or maybe it's kind of a mixed report but then on on top of it oh you're a great dancer my my daughter's a dancer you got to see her dance and so you've kind of grown up with the idea that you're a dancer or you're great at math or oh you're such an athlete all of these things and we begin to grow up with this as my identity. But I want to pause and say, is that really who you are? Do people really know you? And as an adult, oh, you're successful. Oh, you live in Carlsbad. Oh, you uh, drive a Mercedes. Oh, you work for such and such a company. Whoa. Don't tell them that... uh, you're on the security team for that company, but you let them think that you're the CEO. Why would we let them imagine? It's because of image. It's because of identity. But it gets worse. Our country, our culture, our society says you are what you make. You are as beautiful as you are. Beauty. You are based on uh, location. That's who you are. And it gets worse. It's you are this gender. You are how much you've been educated. You are how much you've... It goes on and on and on. And that's not me. It's not you. You were given in the very beginning the highest prestige you could have ever been given. You are made in the image of God. You try that out on an elevator spiel. (laughs) And who are you? The image of God. How about you? (laughs) You know, they'll back away and give you all the room on the elevator you need. (laughs) The image of God. But we gave it up. Who wants to be the image of God? When we can be the image of me. And then we begin to radar like bats, sonar. of just like, what did they think about that? When I told them I'm a musician, they didn't like it when I told them I was a rap musician, so now I'm going to tell them I'm an opera singer. They didn't like it when I told them I was a skater, so now I'm going to tell them I'm a surfer. And we radar like that just to see the reaction we get to people. And we form our identity. You with me? You've done it. You did it from junior high on. And we're still doing it, right? We don't wanna do it. We wanna meet people who are gonna love me for me. But then we go into this kind of introspective pity party about, hey, I'm just me. If you're gonna love me, you gotta accept me for who me is. And I think, what is that? Because I'm learning to love me, and you gotta love me for who me is. That's no fun. So he's going to take us into the resurrected Christ. He's going to gather all the different parts of you and all of your anthropology and say, no, this is, this is who you really are. Now, there's a, I'm, I need to move quickly because Mark Foreman talks too long. And so uh, if I could just critique him for a moment. So I want to point out one thing, uh, several things here in the introduction Uh, one is in verse 3 he says we always thank God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you and we heard of your faith and your love for all the people so he says we thank God when we pray that is one of the secrets of Paul's prayer life if you go I've, I've given you in your notes all the different passages where Paul says I do this I thank God when I pray. I thank God when I pray. I've been using this method for 40 years now. And uh, it's brilliant. Because when you're thanking people, it's buoyant and alive. You go over to a friend's home and say... Oh, thank you for having us over. This is, I love how you've decorated the place. And look at your backyard. Oh, hummingbirds. I love hummingbirds. And you go on about all the things that you like. Thanking. You try that in your prayer life. I love the fact that you did this yesterday, God. Now I'm praying again for my grandchildren. And I would like you to do this. I love how you did this For my wife yesterday and now i'm asking you to do this and by the way i pray out loud i know i I don't do this when i'm walking down the street because of people will talk (laughs) who's that looney tune guy but uh i when i'm alone i i tend to, to fall asleep true confessions my mind wanders i can be in bhutan before you know it and just my mind wandering and so when I pray out loud, it makes it very personal, and uh, and then if I'm praying with Jan, it's, it's all the better because she can hear what I'm I'm thinking. C.S. Lewis prayed without talking, and he said it was the best. But he was kind of bookish, and uh, you know. And so uh, you try it your own way. But the point is, you can't have one without the other. Thanking and praying, thanking and praying. It'll keep your, your prayer life alive and make it an exciting ping-pong game. He mentions three virtues that he mentions two other times in his epistles. Faith, love, and hope. The faith, and, in verse 5, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Wow! These are not hallmark Ideas, these are rock-solid virtues that we desperately need to practice and, and think about in our lives. Faith is the substantive truth of God's faithfulness for you. You can take it to the bank. He died on the cross for you. He rose again from the dead for you. All the miracles in the scriptures are true. Everything he said is true. You can put your faith in that. It is a rock-solid foundation. That's what faith is. Even though we live in faith now, faith is believing that the guy who already did all of this, the works and the word of God, are so faithful that he will be faithful today. That's faith. Hope is in the future. It's taking the anchor off the front of your ship, the writer of Hebrews says, and you throw it off, and so that you get a good anchor uh, out there, some 200 yards from your ship, way, 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 way out there. So the anchor's at a good angle, and you tie off, and you know, okay, I am living with the hope that Jesus is coming again. I am living with the hope that I will see him face to face. I am living with the hope that I will live forever. And I'm living with the hope that the change that's happening in me is going to be one day complete and I won't be the old me anymore. I'm living with the hope that I'm going to see some of my friends and loved ones again. And I'm living with the hope of a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm living with the hope that Jesus Christ will reign forever and ever and ever without any politicians. <laughs> Sorry, I just, <laughs> I had this uh, moment yesterday where I, I. whenever I do this, I just tell my friends to lock me up uh, because it wouldn't, turn out pretty but I just had a thought of driving to Washington and by the way this is not a red or blue comment (laughs) but I just would like to get all of the politicians into a room lock the door and say you cannot leave until you learn to tell the truth and you cannot leave until you Dislearn the art of manipulation. Yeah. That if you will shoot straight regarding the good, the bad, and the ugly, we will be straight with you. No more phony baloney. And I, trust me, I would say that of my red friends and my blue friends uh, because it's not about you, Mr. Politician, it's about your country. Sorry. <laughs> so we have this hope that's bigger than the United States. It's bigger than the world. We have this huge hope. And so we tie off to the faith and the hope. And now what do we do? If, if you picture a ship and one anchors off the stern, one anchors off the bow, now what do we do while we're on the ship? We love we love. No, after you. No, after you. Oh, let me get that for you. Oh, no, let me do. That. Let me cook the meal this time. No, let me hoist the sail. We love each other, and there's the three virtues. We have faith. We have hope, and we love. And that's how Paul lived. Now, he says at the, at the very end of this intro, uh, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit. And growing throughout the whole world. And he talks about that. And that's the big picture. You and I have to remind ourselves, you know, as we think about all the things going wrong in the world, we got to remind ourselves what's right. That the gospel's going forth. <laughs> the gospel's going forth. People are discovering Jesus all the time and it's bearing fruit throughout the world. And that's why we do what we do transformed people forming our world it's happening and he encourages them with this now for the rest of the morning and let me get my uh clock out here just to make sure that I stay uh somewhat on time uh, thank you uh, well either way I would tell you what I would have said had I time to say it you know so it's 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 gonna work out So Paul prays this prayer, and most believers miss it because we think it's a flowery prayer, like yada 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 yada. Just get on with it, Paul. And you're going to miss that this is actually what drove Paul. This is what was the in the core of Paul's mind. He says, "For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you." And we continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. Thank God he doesn't stop praying. I think we all need to say our prayers daily. I'm sorry you prayed for your family yesterday. Pray for them again today. If it's not too much trouble for you. Because you... Are the watchmen on the wall for your portion of the wall? C.S. Lewis said, Every day I have to say my prayers. So some of us have very small spheres of influence, some of us have very large spheres of influence, and so we pray for our employees, we pray for our family, our grandchildren. God, do this, 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 because I'm co-signing your checks, God. It's a a mutual deal. We do this together. And and I think it's a cop-out to say, well, God's just going to do what he's going to do. And, uh, you know, no, he's going to do it through prayer. And prayer changes things. So now the big prayer is asking God to fill the Colossians with the knowledge of his will. So much so... That with all wisdom and with all, not a little bit of an understanding of the will of God, but all wisdom and all understanding. Now, why would that be so important for you and I to understand the will of God? It's a good, it's a big question. Thank you, Mark. I think that was a big question. Yeah, it is a big question. Why would it be so imperative that we would understand the will of God? Well, I want you to see how important this was to the Apostle Paul. The rest, he's tipping his hat in the direction in which he's going. Let me remind you, in verse 1, he said, I am an apostle by the will of God. Now he's praying for us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. In chapter 2, verse 2, He says that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Colossians 3.10, you have put on the new self, different than your old self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of his creator. And in chapter 4, verse 2, he talks about Epaphras. He's always wrestling for you in prayer that you may stand firm in all the will of God mature and fully assured. Now we don't have the time but I could show you how he's praised the same prayer in Philippians different words but the same idea that you would know the will of God so as to how to love people in, in Ephesians he says the same prayer that make God of uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be given to you so you could know his will and know him better. In Romans 12 two, he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. You see, this is not just some cute thought. He he was obsessed with this idea that Christians need to understand increasingly the will of God now now that we're in this subject of the will of God could it be that when Jesus prayed thy kingdom come thy will be done it wasn't just a nice prayer that this is what's missing on planet earth what does god want for me and want for you now anytime i talk about the will of god among christians i always get this feeling like uh it's it's as clear as mud and uh and like yeah but who can know the will of god and i don't know and it reminds me of a time where my wife and i were traveling in a former uk country so, remember, the steering wheel's on the wrong side of the car, and, uh, and I'm driving, and, and the stick shift feels awkward, and, uh, and the car's on the wrong side of the street, and we've been doing this for days, and we come to this rotary, and we have our Google map, and it's operating like three seconds behind where we are, and and so we're trying to figure out which of the five or six roads off the rotary we are supposed to take, and they all look the same. And we hit it, and we're going the wrong way, and we're going around. And did you see it? Did you see it? And we're going around again. And we're and and the stress level in the cars. Well, I thought you'd well say, well, pay attention. And here he here comes again. And look out for this car. And the cars behind me are honking and honking. And I'm just. And finally, I just, like a man does, I spy the road. That's got to be it. We're taking it. And we turn on that road, and Jan says, stop, wait, wait, wait. That lady is telling us it's the wrong way. And I thought, the lady is telling us it's what? You know, the lady that was waving us. She was trying to tell us what the right road was. And, and I look in my rearview mirror and here's this lady running towards us. So I pull over and, and, and she's coming to our car. And I'm thinking, she's gonna tell us the right way. Jan rolls down her window. And the lady tells us nothing, she gets in the car. <laughs> she climbs in the car. I'm telling you, this is how we think the will of God is. It's like, we are, and, and I said, well, ma'am, what, what, do you, what do you want? And she said, dentist, dentist. And I'm thinking, you want us to take you to the dentist or you're coming back from the dentist? Dentist, dentist. That, I said, do you speak any other words? Dentist. And, uh, and then I begin to discover uh, there's an aroma coming from her. Uh, you know, the same aroma that you have in the diaper room. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, let's roll down the windows. And, And now I'm wondering, what is the will of God? Is the will of God to take her to the dentist? And this is a moment for me out of my crazy vacation to be a man of compassion. Or is this... The devil himself that's come. And then she begins to cough. And this is COVID season. And it's no small cough. It is just you know, and I'm just thinking, whoa, this is lung cancer, or this is COVID. And we got the windows down, and I'm just put it in gear and I drive. And I'm just thinking, I am caught. I'm caught between, this is not what I want to be doing, and is this Jesus, and the compassion of Jesus helping, and I have no idea where the dentist is, or, I mean, we are off in the jungles, and I, I have, what do I do? She can't talk, and I, that's often how we think of the will of God, and so we resolve it in a passive way, like, yeah, but who can really know the will of God? His highways are higher than my ways. and his, Who can really know? So you're just going to do what you're going to do? And hope that Jesus is water skiing behind your boat? By the way, I didn't finish that story for the first service, and so I had way too many people pestering me. What happened to the woman? I don't think they heard the rest of the sermon. it does it doesn't end well you know we're we're staying at this very rustic inn down the road and so she she wants to stay in the car she seems to like the direction we're going and so we go for 35 miles or 35 minutes rather uh, with her in the car oh my god now I've had COVID my wife hasn't so I'm thinking I'm bulletproof at least for now and uh, so, you know, we finally get to the, the inn, and I say, you know what, ma'am, and I, you know, I realize we, we don't speak the same language, and so I said, uh, this is where, this is the end of the road. <laughs> and, um, and she seemed to no- understand that, hopped right out, and, and uh, started motioning for the next car. <laughs> <laughs> now, I still look back at that, and I said, I don't know. And I think there's gonna be a lot of times in our lives that we don't know what the will of God is in that moment. And thank God that many times, it's only in our rearview mirror that we look back in life months and years later and say, oh my gosh, God was leading us. But there's other times that we actually think that discerning the will of God is just that confusing. So I want to correct some things as we go into this whole idea of understanding uh, the will of God. First of all, some of us think of the will of God like this. Next slide. The will of God for you is this tiny little dot. And I bet you can't hit it with a dart. And... And we, we look at it, and we think, oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, my gosh. Because we know the darkness of our heart. We know the goodness of God. And we Oh, my gosh. Who can do the will of God? That is bunk. That is psychosis. That, that is a persnickety God that's playing games with you and me. So can we all agree, just go like this, that that is not... The will of God. So the will of God is this broader circle that includes plans that God has for you, that He's destined for you. It's your destiny. There's other plans that He's going to give you the audible. Well, I don't know. You know, it's really not in my wheelhouse whether you order pistachio or brownie ice cream your choice so as you order ice cream you're not thinking oh golly i'm not sure what god wants me to have you know you you might maybe he doesn't want you to have it (laughs) and ever i hear that voice i push it away (laughs) here's my point and then other decisions look good does god want me To live in Carlsbad or does he want me to live in Oceanside? Does God want me to be a doctor or an engineer? Does God want me to do this? And we always want God to weigh in. But we as Christians are obsessed with the directionality of the will of God. Like all God is is a traffic signal. He's a one-way sign. He's more than that. God is much more concerned with the morality of how you treat your neighbors whether you live in Carlsbad or Oceanside. He's much more concerned with how you treat your constituents, whether you're an engineer or a doctor. And I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying that the moral aspect rather than the directionality aspect is more important. And that sets you free from the persnickety God. And then thankfully, 99% of the will of God is right here in the Bible. As you begin to read the Bible, for all it's worth, according to the intent of the writer, you begin to say, oh my gosh. And the way it works in my life is like grains of wood. Some of you know and understand grains of wood, uh, that some woods have very loose, separated grains, like pine with a few knot holes thrown in there. And then other wood has very tight grain like mahogany. Really close together. And that's what happens as you read the Bible. It just begins to form in you uh, where you understand the will. So when something contrary to w- the will of God, like after you leave church, God wants you to go and raid a bank and pillage it and get all their money. You know, that that hits you cross grained It's like, I don't think I should do that. I don't think I should talk to my wife that way. I don't think I should. It's just the will of God. And it eliminates all of the will of God decisions down to now. Here we are in the moment. They just called me an idiot. And I feel like busting their mouth open What is the will of God? It brings it down to these little minor moments where God is with us by his Holy Spirit as our tutor in this I-Thou relationship. So as we bring this message, I'm I'm trying to find how to land this plane, so bear with me. We are landing. Fasten your seatbelts. Um. What God wants us to do is to put on the lens of the Word of God and the will of God. Can you see that? You put on the will of God, and it causes you to see life differently. Like, oh, there you are. Oh, that's the way it is. Now, let me remind you that we all wear some lenses... You've been wearing your beauty lens. You've been wearing your wealthy lens. You've been wearing your power lens. You've, your fit lens. You've been, how you, your healthy lens, you all, how we view life. And, and, and these things become obsessions and, and, and take over. And when we put on the lens of God, everything falls into perspective. And we begin to see life. The way God wants us to see it. Another way to think of the will of God. You're still there, right? Yes. That didn't sound real confident. It's like <laughs> when three people say yes. You know, I said, um, is to look at this map. Next slide. Yeah, that the will of God is like a treasure map. Now I love treasure maps. Uh, my grandson and I. He's three and a half, almost four, we have this thing where uh, we drive up or walk up to the house and he comes running out and he says, Bapa, and gives me a big hug. And I said, I said hey, good to see you, but did you see the pirates? <laughs> and, and he and I are just like, and he gets down on the ground and he says, yeah, but I know where the map is. And I said, you have the map? And he says, oh, yeah, it's got a big X on it. And he says, and I know where the treasure is. We've got to get it before the pirates get there. <laughs> OK, let's go. And off we go into our own little world. Every one of us is following a map. You're following the map your parents gave you, or your school gave you, or your junior high mates gave you. It's a silly map. or or, or you know it's these maps that i could be i could find the treasure if i just follow their map i hate to disillusion you but there's no treasure there you're going to dig and dig and dig 6 feet 9 feet 15 feet there is no treasure chest there and we've spent our whole lives thinking that that x marks the spot of the treasure. If I'm just smart enough, if I'm beautiful enough, if I'm nice enough, if I'm healthy enough, go on and on. There's no treasure there. But Colossians tells us where the treasure is. It's in Christ. And knowing how he's intended us to live from the beginning, the will of God. C.S. Lewis said, to walk out of his will is to walk into nowhere. And I've spent too much of my life walking into nowhere. So Paul concludes to say that So that we want the will of God so that we live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. And this doesn't mean so that we earn God's love, but because we have His love, our response to His will is appropriate to His sacrifice to give us His will. And he concludes by saying that Having been strengthened with all God's power to persevere, and joyfully giving thanks. So, my friends, um, I used to live uh, thinking like I had not had very fruitful life. He just says bearing fruit in all things, and I've looked at my life and I thought, you know, I'm the branch. He's the vine, and all I got is a few raisins, Fresno raisins, <laughs> growing off the end of my branch. I want to be like Mother Teresa. I want I to want bear fruit. How do we do that? Well, this is it right here. It's beginning to say yes to the will of God in your life. Big ways and small ways. So, can you say these two words for me? Yes, Lord. Yes. That's the Christian life, right there. You read something in Scripture? Yes, Lord. The Spirit speaks to you. Yes, Lord. Just that's that's your only line in the play. Uh, you, you know, once you're done with your line, get off the stage. You know, it's not, out, not about your song. It's not about your dance and all these things that made you important. It's about you saying yes to Jesus in the easy and the hard things. Can you say it again? Yes, Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. That is your will. And thank you that your will is not far it's not difficult. It's right there. And that you have shed your blood and given us new life and your resurrection and given us the Holy Spirit. And we want to discover what it is to walk in your will and to be remade into the image of God. Do this in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand, can you say, Yes, Lord, one more time? If you follow the map of God... Life gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Wonder begins to happen There's never a point where you figure it out, like the guy that told me that last year uh, my new year's resolution was to not have so much pride and this year i 'm amazing. you know <laughs> that that's just not going to happen so this is the way it's going to go down Some of us you've never thought of the will of God before and, and you look at your life and you think oh, busted and And you look at your life and there's like three big boulders that need to change Number one, you're gonna tell yourself I need to stop cussing That's the big boulder in my life And you're, number two. I need to be kinder to my wife and number three I need to show up at work on time. Those seem so hard, but I'm going to try. And you're going to move those boulders, but I want you to be aware that underneath the boulders is like 15 river rocks that all have a name of things that God wants to change in you. And God's going to begin to work. And you're, you're really going to change. It's being remade into the image of Christ. And underneath those river rocks is gravel. <laughs> and there's hundreds of these things. So there's never a point where you, you arrive. It's like, wow, I'm just so amazing. So relax. We're all on a journey, and the more you follow Christ, the humbler you get you're never going to walk in and brag about how close you are to Jesus it's just that it's a lie if that's our what we're bragging about what we want to be is in his presence so that we shrink and and he increases right and the second thing that's going to happen is you're going to become more loving that's that's your identity is the love of Christ And you're going to be a person that believes in Jesus and hopes in Jesus. And that begins, so it was never about you. It was always about Him. But the more we make it about Him, the more we become who He intended us to be. And isn't that all you ever wanted to do? Deep down inside with your therapist all you ever wanted to do was to become the person God created you to be no more radaring and no more wearing everybody else's lenses but being who you are in Jesus Christ amen so may God be with you this week may God invite you into the prayer room, even if it's just in the water closet, even if it's just on your way to work, and try talking out loud to him. Try the ping pong of thanking and praying and thanking and praying, and when you find something in your life that God's kind of putting his finger on, pray about it. Say, God, I invite you to do surgery on my life. Change me. And just see what begins to happen, the magic. And by the way, if you need prayer this morning, we're we're up here. uh, We don't want your wallets or your social security. We just want to pray with you. And if you need prayer, come and get it. But may God be with you this week. May God lift up his face and shine his character onto you. And May you discover more and more who he is. And may you find yourself turning into him his nature in Jesus name and everyone said "Yes, yes Lord amen God bless you guys